Sports Radio 104.3 The Fan. Every Saturday morning, it's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Terry takes you inside the outdoors. You know, hunting, fishing, camping. It's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Now, here's Terry. Good morning on this sunny uh, sunny Saturday morning in uh, Colorado. Of course, we're broadcasting from our palatial studios in Fort Collins. Karen and I are. Uh, uh, this is our, I believe we're starting our 24th year of doing this show. I'll have to double check, but I'm pretty sure that's right. And Of course, it's different now. We broadcast from the house until this COVID stuff clears up. Hopefully, 2021 will have a give us all a new uh, new start and new perspective and eventually we can get back to a more normal life uh, karen and i are we love joining you every saturday morning and she has her production assistant uh, uh weston with her today who's going to be six here in just a few days and he's of course one of our grandchildren and he's helping with the production he's he's keeping with kyle and karen keeping me online and straight so all is good we're going to talk a lot of ice fishing today we're going to take you all over the state and check on conditions throughout the state with various guides and uh, outdoor educators around the state. So we're going to do a lot of that. We're going to talk some waterfowl at one point during the second hour. And later on in the show, Chad Lachance is going to talk cooking. He did a segment a couple of weeks ago where we talked about taking your fish and your game from the field home, whether it's from the field to the freezer or the field to the fire. But now we're going to talk about you've got that game and that fish at home. What are some great techniques for preparing it? How, how, you know, how do you cook it? How do you take advantage of it? We've got a lot of people new to some of the outdoor activities like hunting and fishing in the last few months, and I think there are going to be some great tips. Speaking of a lot of people new to hunting and fishing, let's go right to the phones because we are joined – by uh, Kirk Dieter. He is he's the editor of Trout Magazine. He's an editor-at-large at Field and Stream. He fills in on this radio show occasionally. He's an accomplished author and fly fisherman. And Kirk and I are going to talk about what's going on with recreation right here across North America. Good morning, Kirk. Good morning, Terry, and Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you also. You know, it's been a Good news, bad news, boom-bust situation out there with COVID. You know, the people in the hospitality industry have suffered greatly with restaurants and lodges and uh, travel services. It's been very difficult. But the flip side of that, you and I have pretty much spent our careers trying to get people to understand the outdoors, take advantage of it, go out and enjoy it. And we have really seen during these times a lot of people turn to outdoor activities, haven't we? We have. In fact, the Recreational Boating and Fishing Foundation just came out with a report that kind of quantified it. And we, you and I and others who fish and hunt and so forth, we've seen it. We saw it all summer, but we didn't know just how big it really was. Well, it turns out that somewhere in the neighborhood of 17 million people nationwide found boating or fishing this summer. And, uh, you know, that's just quite a phenomenon. It's it's really been a renaissance, and it's 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 going to stick around because they also found that of those people who were fishing and on in boats and so forth, ninety percent plus want to keep at it. So I don't think it's gonna, I think next summer's going to look a lot like last summer. Well, and I think there's another good news bad news situation there, and the fact is that um, some of the outdoor activities had had declining 
participation as a percentage of the population, not necessarily by numbers. And funding for resources has been a little slow to come. The North American model typically is that hunters and anglers fund the entire wildlife and and conservation movement in North America. And we've always been trying to grow this the participation because we get excise taxes when they buy um, goods and equipment to use that go into the environment and into our outdoor activities and resources. We get license fees. Uh, the small businesses, the towns around these areas take advantage. Um, they get their economies are better. But we also are getting a lot of people out there that the resources are being stretched, and some of them are new to the outdoors. And they're good people, but they maybe don't quite understand the etiquette or the proper way to recreate responsibly, Kirk. That's, that's true. In fact, um, we found that of the new anglers, a good solid percentage of them are families. And it's, you know, there's no T-ball leagues. There's no, there were, there were no, you know, swimming pools to go to and so forth. So, you know, it was, it made sense and they're trying to learn. So it's, it's important that we are all patient. Those of us who are aficionados of the outdoors need to be patient and welcoming and need to be um, points of entry rather than gatekeepers or barriers for those folks. Because in the long haul, as these families and new newcomers to this outdoor sports uh, become advocates, uh, they're going to help us and they're going to increase the bandwidth. And, you know, at the end of the day, the resources are definitely stressed. All right. There's there's more pressure. There's more, and and with regard to that, there's never been more need for public spaces, public lands, and there's never been more need to protect those public lands, and there's never been more need to keep rivers and lakes clean so that people can stay, you know, use them as much as possible. So you know, it's it's time for us to kind of band together and really take advantage of the moment that we're in as well. No, I couldn't agree more. And I think that as outdoor enthusiasts, whether we're anglers, fishermen, hikers, uh, snowmobilers, whatever we do outdoors, cross-country skiers, we have a little bit of a responsibility. Um, we don't want to preach to the new people out there, but like you said, to be welcoming, but also to befriend them and talk to them about how to responsibly use the outdoors in a good way, tactfully, you know, share some knowledge with them, tell, give them some tips on how to enjoy what they're doing, and then every now and then make a comment about, you know, it's really, you know, it's important you take out your trash with you, that you, know, you understand the, the etiquette on the trail when you meet somebody or when you're on the river. And, you know, but we sure are glad to see people coming out. It's not an easy thing, and I certainly don't want people confronting anybody, but befriend them, become their partner, become a mentor, I guess is what I would recommend, Kirk. That's, that's absolutely right, and, and it extends to the work you're doing right now, and we, we do. I mean, outdoor media has never been more relevant than it is right today, and that's good for us. It's, it's good, it makes the voices that we have more important, and the, the people are looking for information on how to do things and how to do them well. And so I think that we're going to be busy, busy folks here in the next several years, hopefully, so. I hope so, because it's good for all of us. And the outdoors brings a set of values, and it helps with bonding and memories that is unparalleled by any other activity. I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit, because we didn't talk about this earlier, but as the editor of Trout Magazine, how are you addressing some of these issues within the magazine? Well, we're trying to 
add um, a little bit more. Well, first of all, we're going to we're launching a digital version of the magazine to appeal to the younger folks that like to read on handheld devices, and that's going to happen in February. So stay tuned, tu.org, and you'll see the new Trout Magazine digital. Um, we're also trying to do infuse a little bit more where to, how to, tips, tactics, and we're trying to make it entertaining. We keep the the great writers like John Girak and Tom Reed and others in, in the fold. And, you know, we entertain, we inform, and sure, there's a little conservation talk in there, but there's more there's more steak on the plate than spinach, and that's the uh, approach that we've always had. I also try to um, make it focused about people. You know, I see a lot more faces in our magazine than anything. And uh, I think that you, you'd probably agree, but, you know, for me, fishing and hunting is – certainly about you know the, the birds and the, the fish and all those things and certainly about the landscapes but it's also really a lot about the people that you share the time with and so we try to focus that way too oh it really is it is about the bonding and the memories you create and you know the other thing too it's a great stress reliever and um, we have a lot of organizations that take care of veterans when they come back and they use on the water activities, there's something therapeutic about the water and outdoors. And I think along those lines, um, you guys at Trout Unlimited are kind of stepping up for first responders, aren't you? We are, actually. We've offered um, memberships at TU to uh, our frontline folks who are first responders and, and those in the medical field. And, and, you know, everyone who's been pitching in, so our heroes who have really gotten us through these dark months the last several months. And and are continuing to do so, and it's and it's it's hard, and 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 you know it's something that we have to make a point to recognize them and thank them, and it's it's humbling. And um, when we get a chance to get them on the water, we get them on the water, and and, and hopefully by the summertime we'll we'll all be able to do that in person and shoulder to shoulder like we used to. When speaking of in person, I I think you're the only person I know that travels more than I do, and and we've been kind of locked down here for a while. Um, are you anxious to get back and see some of the lodges in Canada, Alaska, Belize, and make sure these people are surviving? I hope that a lot of these newcomers will take advantage when they can travel again to some of those because that industry really got hit hard. It did, and, and I would say that um, all the bottled up emotions and you know we've been waiting i feel like i'm a rocket ready to launch you know as soon as i get the green light i do want to go to alaska or canada or belize or someplace far far away in fact if i were buying stock in fly fishing or fishing travel i would buy it now because you know it's been hammered and those folks have really suffered and they've had a hard time making ends meet but there's a light at the end of the tunnel and i know that when people get the green light they're going to go and so it's not too soon to start thinking about a, a a dream trip to someplace that you've always wanted to go to. It's a, I think this last year has taught us all to not only live more in the outdoors, but live more in the outdoors in the moment. And and that's an important approach. I couldn't agree more. I got one more topic. We got to wrap this up. But, you know, in Colorado, you shouldn't put away your fly rods. There's going to be tailwater activities. There's going to be open water in ponds. There's going to be rivers at lower elevations where you can get out and fish. In fact, some of my best fly fishing trips have been right in January and February uh, on rivers like the Big Thompson, I mean, where you can get those fish. But a lot of people aren't going to want to go out till the weather gets a little better. 
to do their fishing, and they're, they're going to want to go fly tying. As an avid fly fisherman and author who's written many books, I know you've got a lot of tips books. Give me a couple tips for the, the new fly fisherman who wants to get into tying. Well, I would say I'm, I'm not the best example, but I've always found that if I can tie 10 patterns well, instead of trying to be everywhere and nowhere. So I, I zero in on 10 patterns that I can use, and it's like the, learn to tie a black lily bugger. It's simple. Learn to tie a pheasant tail nymph. It's an all-purpose nymph. Learn to tie an elk hair caddis. And, you know, if you can learn to, to tie a parachute atoms, you know, just the bread and butter stuff, the, the spices that are in your cabinet, then you'll be able to branch out from there down the road. But, you know, keep it simple. Work on some simple techniques, always wrap away from you, those types of things. And, you know, in this day and age, there's just unlimited resources. You know, buy Charlie Craven's book, um, books, or look at the videos on YouTube and follow along. You know, come to tu.org. We have lots of fly tying videos there that will help people get, get started and get going. And you're right. You know, but the days are getting longer, Terry. The days are starting to get longer, and we're going to be fishing sooner than you think. All right, 30 seconds. People want to join TU or get the Get Trout magazine or first responders take advantage. How do they find you guys? Just simple enough, www.tu.org. That's Trout Unlimited. And we're, we're happy to have you. And thank you. All right. All right, my friend, you and I have to get on the water very soon. Well, I'm ready. I'm ready. All right. Can... Thank you for joining us, Kirk. All right, buddy. Thank you. Happy New Year again. You bet. Happy New Year. Kirk Dieter, great resource, Trout Unlimited. We'll take a quick time out. When we come back, we're going to take you up to Dillon Reservoir and some unique ice fishing that's going on there. All that and more coming up on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. Trying to make some front-page driving news. Bob Seeker. Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part by Jack's Outdoor Gear. Growing up and still having fun. Let's go right to the phones now. And joining us from the Dillon area is Randy Ford from Alpine Fishing Adventures. Good morning, Randy. Hey, how you doing, Terry? Hey, I'm doing great. You're probably out on the ice now, I bet, are you? I am. Yeah. Is it a beautiful... A, uh, it is. It's a nice... Uh, cool foggy morning out here it's definitely a uh in the hut with the heater on type of morning though yeah well that's and then it'll warm up and the sun will come out and the, the hut will open up and i was you know i love ice fishing in colorado but you have to dress for the early morning you know randy i'm telling people i'm going to take them around the state today and i think you know years and years ago in the 80s dylan was known as a fishing destination but it kind of lost that reputation and you, I know you've worked closely with the biologists, and they've done so much to change that lake, adding the Arctic char. We're seeing some rebound in the browns from what you've told me. They're learning how to stock rainbows and get them to uh, succeed there. Uh, Dillon is becoming a, not only a fishing destination, but a great ice fishing destination, isn't it? Yeah, for sure. You know, um, nowadays uh, at some of these access points like the Dillon Marina and Frisco Marina, you're you're going to find uh, several people out enjoying some ice fishing where shoot four or five years ago, there might be one or two individuals out there fishing. So, um, you know, like you're saying, we've got these, I call them winter rainbows. Um, We're getting rainbows stocked right before the ice goes on. And that's providing a heck of an opportunity, you know, um, 
what's what what the good thing about it is um we've got the mycy shrimp here in the in the reservoir and most of the year they're inaccessible to the trout because they uh, live in deeper waters you know they'll be 100 plus feet deep and trout just aren't able to access them and take advantage of that forage where in the winter as soon as uh, the days start getting shorter and the ice cap comes on those mice shrimp will start moving in shallower so then you stock the rainbows and they go out there and 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 they're going to go on the shorelines and try and find food they won't find much they're going to have to venture out a little deeper and then they're going to get turned onto the mice shrimp so now we're finding these winter rainbows are feeding on the mices all winter, um, growing good, strong fish um, due to that type of forage. And, and so coming out and, and being able to catch some rainbow trout uh, is, is a great opportunity. Um, and the nice thing is, is as you were saying, we've got the Arctic char. And uh, um, every year we're finding uh, that, you know, your average size on those is picking up and, and the opportunity for those are picking up. So, so it's really fun, man. You can come out and uh, get some bites and get some numbers on the rainbow and uh, have that chance at catching something new and unique and getting a char. So that's one thing people are really, enjoy- really enjoying out here is um, that kind of opportunity. Um, it's neat because it's deep water fishing. Um, you know, it's kind of unheard of to be pulling trout out of 60 feet of water, rainbow trout. But, oh, there's a fish on right there. Um, but... Uh, so the deeper water is fun to fish. You know, I get a lot of clients up from the, you know, Midwest and stuff and, and, uh, the, you know, fishing for panfish and whatnot. Um, they, uh, you know, they, they're fishing shallower water, 12, 15 feet or whatever. And these guys will come out and fish with me and they just have a ball, um, fishing that deeper column, you know, um, fishing the bottom off of 60 and then having the opportunity to, to mark suspended fish and reel up to those and, and so it's it's it is kind of a new, unique kind of cool opportunity out here that that we uh, we weren't we weren't seeing five, six, seven, eight years ago. So that's really good. You know, and the char themselves uh, present such a great opportunity for a unique fish. They're part of you know the char family, the Arctic char, of course, and that includes lake trout and brook trout, which are also chars. So they get those beautiful colors on them. Uh, they're growing in size. How how big are the are you seeing the char come out now? I mean, I've, it's been several years. Are you seeing some pretty good sizes? Are records being broken? Oh yeah, um, you know, out here today, I've got one of my what I call the black diamond trips. It's um, mostly we cater to the to tourists up here and 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 family friendly fishing and stuff like that. But I offer um, some of the more targeted type trips for char. So today's group out here, we've. Uh, we've pulled three of them in one of them was over 18 inches which is a, a master angler and and a couple 16 and 17 inches and uh, they're just a real strong hard fighting fish and when you latch into one of them um you know you're going to get a little drag pulling and some good head shakes and and have a nice little fight up to the hole on these chars so what kind of presentations do you use when you target the char you know uh they they like they'll they'll hit metal um, they, they get pretty aggressive. So, um, I'll usually have one rod going. We'll be banging some metal off the bottom, you know, maybe like a cast master, something of that nature. And then, uh, we'll usually, um, pull up and suspend the bait off the bottom, say about 10 feet or so. Um, you know, your small plastics tipped with whatever millworm, waxworm, shrimp, or something like that. So, um, one of the keys is, is, is to kind of bang the bottom with that cast master, wait for a bite. 
and um, just keep an eye on the sonar on that suspended bait and, and, and watch and wait for something to come up off the bottom and smoke that suspended bait. And, um, you know, one thing we had not mentioned yet is the kokanee salmon out here. And really, those have really come a long way. Um, the average size on those has increased quite a bit. Um, I think there's uh, a couple factors. One of them is um, we've had these low water years. We had the one year, what was it, a uh, year before last, our reservoirs were all at all-time lows. Well, that's, that's condensing your zooplankton and, and giving those kokanee a, a better chance to forage. So these four-year-olds coming in, when they were one or two years old, they had some good forage. And then on top of that, we've got the rainbows coming in the winter, curbing the myces back. We've got the arctic char curbing the myces back, which in turn leaves more zooplankton. So we're seeing some, you know, 12, 13, 14-inch salmon with an average size of about 11 inches. Now, that's still small when you consider salmon, but here at Dillon, that's up from about an 8 to 10-inch average. The guys down at Snake River Inlet this summer had a ball. I mean, salmon were nice, you know, them four-year-old spawners coming in, catching 13, 14-inch salmon. And and uh, I've been out, all you know, all summer. That's pretty much pretty much what I target for my customers is coming out and, and catching these kokanee. So um, fishing out here... You'll get ice fishing. You get over the deeper water. These skulls of kokanee will come through, you know, from 20 to 40 feet deep. And you reel your baits up and get in the middle of those, and, and it's a heyday. So that's another thing that makes it real fun to fish out here is, is as you're, you know, fishing the bottom, catching these rainbows and hoping for a char, you watch on the sonar, and all of a sudden it lights up. You know, you pull up and bang, 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 everybody everybody in the hut's got a fish on type of deal. And I think that's one thing everybody loves about salmon fishing, you know. Randy, we are out of time, but if people want more information or if they want to book a trip with you, how do they get a hold of you? Uh, you could just call our uh, main line at 303-885-6292. Um, or you could call me direct on my mobile phone at 970-485-9560. And, and then probably the best way is, is uh, hop online and check out the website and, and hit that book now button and uh, book online. And that's fishdillon.com. All right. All right, my friend, fishdillon.com. It sounds like it's a place I need to get up to and fish real soon. Thanks for the update, Randy. You bet, Terry. Happy New Year's. You bet. Randy Ford with Alpine uh, Fishing Adventures, fishdillon.com. Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part by Jack's Outdoor Gear on 104.3 The Fan. Another musician who died way too young, Jim Croce. Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part by Jack's Outdoor Gear. Go into the Jack's Outdoor Gear near you and talk to one of the experts in any department in the store. Let's go right to the phones. And joining us from up in the Granby area... From the Fishing with Bernie group is Dan Shannon. Good morning, Dan. Good morning, Terry. How are you? You know, I'm doing good. Is it a little brisk in Granby this morning? It is brisk. It was one degree this morning as we stepped onto the ice. That's all well, good that means, Oh, That means there should be good ice. You know, we're taking people around the state today. We're checking the ice conditions and the fishing conditions. And one of my favorite destinations for all the decades I've lived in Colorado for both um, open water and winter fishing has been Granby. I did several television shows up there, many of them with the Fishing with Bernie group, and you can find those on my YouTube channel. But when it gets going, the ice 
fishing up there can be phenomenal. So what are we looking at on Lake Granby right now? So Lake Granby right now, it is fully capped over, and it, that happened just in the last probably four days. Um, the, the conditions vary wildly. The, the newest uh, place to freeze, I, last night I was checking ice. I found anywhere from two inches to, to four inches, depending on where I was. Well, it changes quick, and it changes in a hurry. We're not quite ready for machines and a whole lot of venturing around out there yet. Uh, just because of that. But in the back bays, we're getting uh, seven to eight inches in some of the shallower back bays and where it's been, the ice has been the longest. So we're out fishing right now. It's been a good morning. It's cold. Uh, trying to warm my hands up from landing that last fish, but uh, it's been good so far. So what are you seeing? You seeing the lake trout? You seeing uh, rainbows? What do you, a mix? What are you guys catching? Well, right now we're out, we're out chasing the, the lake trout. That's kind of the, the focus for us most of the year. We do spend a little bit of time at Rainbows. But right now we're catching lake trout. We've caught a couple of eaters this morning, and uh, we'll be chasing the big guys as we get more more of the good ice so we can actually to get out there and be mobile and, and do the things that we do to get the big fish. Now, when you do attack, when somebody books a trip with you guys or somebody asks you for advice, um, and I know I'm, I do the same thing myself when I tell people about fishing Granby, I tell them that fishing for those eaters isn't exactly like fishing for the big fish. You have to take a little different approach, don't you? You do. You're you're a little less. You could be more stationary for the eater-sized fish, uh, more more on specific parts of the structure. You don't have to you don't have to move as much. You're you're, you're going to get more action. You're going to get more consistent fish moving through. Whereas those bigger fish, they're they're looking to eat that one meal. So you've got to kind of go out and find them, find that one fish that's going to get that's going to bite. Now, if I'm fishing for what we're calling eater fish, these are still nice fish. So what, 15 to 22 inches probably? Is that about right? Yeah, right now we're that sub-19-inch fish is what we're calling an eater fish. When they get over that, we let them go. So anything under 19 inches is excellent table fare. I'd almost oh, rather is. eat one of those than a salmon some days. And when you get into them, you do get numbers. How do you approach? What kind of depth and presentation are you using for those eater-sized fish? So we're we're getting down to small grubs, usually tipped with sucker meat. We're using half-ounce jig heads. Um, I like a contrast, so we'll use a bright-colored head with a with a lighter-colored uh, body. So like uh, fuzzy grubs or a good bait, small tubes, um, twisty tail grubs, things of that nature. Tip it with a small thumb size thumbnail-sized piece of sucker meat, and basically what we do is we're looking at depths between 50 to 65 feet. Um, and I move around until I find where the fish are actually coming through. So I use my Vexlars, and and I'm not going to fish where I'm not seeing fish. That's kind of the biggest thing I think I see a lot of people do that they could improve on is if I'm not seeing fish, got to move to where the fish are. Now, when you look for big fish, do you upsize your presentation? Absolutely. We'll we'll be fishing anywhere from 5 to 10-inch tubes sometimes. Um and we're going to size out a lot of it. We're not might not catch as many fish, but we're going to the bites that we do get are going to be those better quality fish. Well, how big is a bigger fish in Granby for people who don't know? So we look at any fish probably in the upper so twenty eight thirty inches and above is what we call and better fish in Granby. And there's a good population of those, isn't there? There's an excellent population. That 28 and 30 inch population this summer, we're we're seeing a lot of them. And in talk, talking to the biologist up here, he says that there is a good strong population of of that uh, right around 30 inch size fish. That's awesome. So, what about some of the other lakes in the area that you guys guide on or know about up there? What's going on maybe at some of the other waters? 
So some of our team members are out guiding right now on Williams work. They're, they're reporting between five to seven inches on most of the lake. So that lake has been fishing really well. Um, they've been getting into quite a few larger fish as well as numbers of fish. Uh, so that's been a really, really good, uh, good place for this early season so far. Grand Lakes, the looking that lake kind of froze a little differently because uh, they weren't pumping. So as soon as they did start pumping, we had some ice uh, conditions actually get worse. But now it's kind of normalized. We've got at least 8 to 10 inches in front of the swim beach in town. And on that east side, we're sitting at about 5 to 6 inches. So uh, the fishing there has been steady. It hasn't been hasn't been remarkable, but it's been good. We've been lots of, lots of rainbows and browns there is kind of what we target. Um, we're catching those up in the shower, so sub 12 feet of water. And then we'll get into the lake shot as we, we, we bump out to that 30 to 60-ish range. And we're just drilling lots of holes to find the lake shot right now up there. Okay, Shadow Mountain, are people catching trout? or I'm seeing huts out there. I haven't actually been on Shadow in a while. I'm hearing reports that it's fishing well along the dam for that same rainbows and rainbows and browns. And the occasional kokanee is actually coming out of Shadow right now. What about Wolford? Have you heard anything up there? I have not heard anything about Wolford lately. That one's kind of gone silent. I had seen heard of some kokanee being caught there along the along the boat ramp, the shore by the boat ramp, but in the last week or so I haven't heard anything. I know it does have it does have some fishable ice on it though. So if people want to book a trip with you guys, Dan, how do they get a hold of you? Or if they just want more information, what do they do? So you can reach out to us on Facebook at Fishing with Bernie. Uh, we're also on our website at www.fishingwithbernie.com. And you can find me on Instagram at Fishing with Altitude. Uh, reach out to us on any of those those venues, and we're, we're glad to provide information and or to book a trip. Well, and I'll tell you what, the ice fishing, if ice fishermen, you know, we talk about I like action when I ice fish, and people say, well, I'd like to chase big fish. You can do both at Granby, but the other thing at Granby, too, is you can get into those 15 to 19, 15 to 20-inch fish, and you can catch a lot of them and just really have fun and really learn about ice fishing. So it's a it's a great place to go fishing. Dan, thanks for joining us. I'll let you get back to your clients, and hopefully people will get a hold of you fishing with Bernie and uh, come up and book some trips because it's just one of the best winter ice fishing trips in the state. Thank you so much. All right. Thank you, Terry. You bet. Dan Shannon. Hey, by the way, I've got three or four videos on my YouTube channel, The Best of Fishing with Terry Wickstrom, with Fishing with Bernie, both open water and ice fishing. So if you go and look for Gramby on my YouTube channel or you look for Fishing with Bernie, uh, one's with the guys from Sun Power Sports, and we caught fish up to 10 pounds ice fishing out there one of the trips. And we, Karen and I have caught Lakers over 20 pounds. We had two 20-pound Lakers in the net at the same time when Karen and I were fishing because we had to net them at the same time. So it can be a tremendous fishing opportunity. So check it out on my YouTube channel, Best of Fishing with Terry Wickstrom, and then check out Fishing with Bernie. We're going to take a quick time out. When we come back, we're going to take you up to the Blue Mesa area and get a report from there on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, brought to you in part by Jack's Outdoor Gear on 104.3 The Fan. Okay, now that the holidays are over, Kyle, you're pushing all the buttons. Yeah, back to some dire straits. There we go. you got to tap your foot when they come on with those guitar licks. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan, brought to you in part by Jack's Outdoor Gear, 65 years of serving the outdoor public. Let's go right to the phones. And joining us from the Gunnison area in Blue Mesa is Andy Cochran from GSO Fishing. Good morning, Andy. Good morning, Terry. Thanks for having me on this morning. 
Well, we're taking people around the uh, around the state, getting up to conditions. There are just there's a lot of people who want to ice fish this year, Andy, and we're going to try to help them not only give them tips on what they can use and where to go, but get keep them up with conditions and and hopefully they can get outdoors and we can recruit a bunch of people into the fishing community because ice fishing is just you know ice fishing is one of those great ways where you can have some camaraderie while you're doing it and talk to other people and it's just a great way to get out. So what are we seeing up at Blue Mesa? Last time I talked to you partially frozen you were starting to get out on the ice but you were running boats part of the day too so what's going on up there uh it's actually a lot of the same um the boat stuff certainly slowed down the boat ramp is still open um i checked right before i called in here and we're currently at seven below zero so you got to be a little careful with your outboard when you're out there when it's that cold. When you're on the water, it's fine, but as soon as you pull it up on the ramp, you got to make sure you get that water out of that thing quick, or you're gonna have some problems. But yeah, there's being a few, there's cold a few... for a boat. Um, one thing that is good about that is this lake creates ice 24 hours a day up here because our highs are rarely above 20 degrees. So the ice that we've had now is all safe and fishable and since we talked two weeks ago, it's basically opened up. There's a hole from Elk Creek Marina all the way up to the inlets all frozen, and everybody can get on everything up there now. So you're catching before, you know, and you get early ice in some of the bays, it ends up being kind of a rainbow trout or maybe some browns or maybe even a perch bite, which you've got in there a lot of people don't know about. But you're starting to get to the lake trout territory now? Yeah, everything now is opened up for every species in the lake so uh we did see a couple of 20 pound lake trout come out last week when that little bit deeper stuff in the canyon froze over and now we're getting some reports too of some kokanee salmon schools moving through that stuff so yeah you can target anything you want to in blue mesa right now with a boat still and through the ice now, if I'm coming up to ice fish, it's a little nippy for me in a boat right now. You get going about 30, 40 miles an hour, and that, that, that'll that bite at you. Not that I haven't been out there and done that. I'm I'm foolish enough to have done it just about all of it. But let's just say I'm coming up to ice fish. Is it overwhelming to people to try to figure out where to go? Is there information available, or can you give them a few pointers? Sure. It It, it is an overwhelming process if you hadn't been to this lake. It is big. Um. General rules of thumb here are you want to target flats that are next to the river channel. So a good electronic, like a Lowrance ice machine that's got a GPS map of the lake on it or the fish and map company contour maps that, that are sold or do a really good job of mapping this place out. And if you just need somewhere to start, find a flat next to the river channel you can it can be anywhere from 10 foot deep all the way out to 80 feet deep and there's going to be species of fish using those flats from shallow to deep and you'll change from rainbows to browns to lake trout depending on your de- your depth range but that same school of thought will apply to all of them Wait, what kind of presentations are common up on a blue mesa i mean both for the rainbows and the lake trout you see people obviously they probably change it up a little bit this lake is 90% a soft plastic lake. There seems to be a lot of lakes where you, you show up with jigging wraps and 
rattle traps and different rattle spoons and cast masters and things like that. But this lake fish is really, really good with a variety of soft plastics. The main two would be tube jigs and twister tails uh, or like a little fork tail grub, like a little crappie fluke. And then you can change the size and the color of those things based on what you want to catch. But that's like if you need one simple thing to start with, get a variety of tube jigs and twister tails, white ones and chartreuse ones, and heads from 16th up to quarter ounce and then half ounce, and you can pretty much catch every species in the lake here. Now, do you tip those with any kind of bait or the, the scented plastics, or are the plastics alone good enough? The plastics alone will catch fish all day long. Of course, any kind of added scent will get you a few extra bites during the day, so it's always worth your time to to think about bringing. Typically, mealworms for trout is kind of a staple. Uh, wax worms, and then lake trout. Some guys use cut sucker meat for lake trout. I think artificial scents like smelly jelly type stuff in shrimp um, is a really good. Other, other than using sucker meat, which is kind of messy, if you just get some shrimp oil or something, that'll add just enough little extra to get you some more bites for the lake trout. What about the kokanee? We haven't talked too much. You said they're catching some kokanee. Are they suspended? Are they? What depths are you seeing the kokanee? Yeah, kokanee, you kind of just have to be ready for kokanee when they come through. It, they're a little bit harder to chase because they're constantly on the move. But for those things, you want to target in the river channel. Sometimes they'll venture onto the flats, and you'll see them if you're, say, you're in 60 feet of water fishing for lake trout. You always got to be conscious of staring at your fish finder, watching for a big blog of color coming through, typically in that 20 to 30-foot range. And that's going to clue you on that there's some salmon running through there. Just got to have another rod ready to go. And usually what we use with those is just a glow or real bright fluorescent colored spoon and you just get that right down into that school as quick as you can jig it pretty aggressive once you start hooking them and catching them it'll actually hold that school there for a little while and that's where some guys will start using like a jigging machine that they'll put a string of cowbells on all that flash and action from you catching the fish and your jigging machine helps hold that school kind of in position long enough where you can hopefully get up to your five fish limit on those things before they scoot off to the next hole down the ray. Uh, one last fish I want to ask you about, and a lot of people don't know, but there's a pretty significant population of yellow perch in Blue Mesa, and they are so good to eat, and they can be so much fun through the ice. Do you guys contact them much while you're ice fishing? That's one species of fish that is, relatively elusive in this lake through the ice um the most consistent bite we had ice fishing was actually last year when the lake was fuller than normal going into ice season because it had so much like dead weed cover flooded over where it held those schools of perch kind of shallow like 20 30 foot but now that the lake is down to about 55 feet low it's kind of barren underneath the water surface. There's not really any kind of stick-ups or anything to hold a school of perch. So what we found over the years in these conditions is these perch in this lake 
like to winter really deep, like 50 to 80 feet deep, and they really like to hold on straight vertical structure. So our best, most consistent thing for perch now is to look for basically a vertical cliff wall and get right up next to it, and you'll start catching those perch down, like, say, 50 to 80 feet deep, which is kind of tedious to try to get a small enough jig 60 feet down to catch these little perch. But once you do start getting that school fired up, it'll kind of bring them up in the water column, too, and you can catch them pretty fast. All right. We are out of time, Andy. If people want more information if they want, or if they want to book a trip, how do they get a hold of you? Yeah, thanks. Uh, you can find us on Instagram and Facebook at GSO Fishing, and that's also our website, gsofishing.com. And if anybody's ever traveling through Gunnison on the way to go to Blue Mesa, um, you can always stop and see some of our guys there at Gene Taylor's, and we'll always have the latest gear and the latest reports for anybody to stop in there and talk to the guys about as well. All right, my friend, thank you so much. Sounds like you got it going on. There's great ice fishing and a lot of ice fishermen this year, so hopefully a lot of them will make their way up to Blue Mesa. Thank you, Andy. Yep, thank you. Have a great weekend. You bet. Andy from GSO Fishing up Blue Mesa. We're going to take a quick time out. When we come back, we're going to talk walleyes through the ice with our own Nate Zielinski right here on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. <laughs> 